You stupid bitch. Yeah, you're a stupid bitch. You stupid bitch. Welcome to this week's episode of Stupid Bitches Say What, the Aussie podcast about everything and nothing but always with wine. And your hosts, Sean Hipkins and Sky Lee Collett. Me. This week, it's True Crime USA, and boy, do we have a doozy of an episode for you this week. Buckle up while Sky tells tales of a young Massachusetts man, Daniel LaPlante. Is that how you say it? LaPlante? I think so, but I'm giggling about Massachusetts. I know. Well, Massachusetts. (laughs) That's why I put it in there. (laughs) It appears in mine too. Daniel LaPlante, who after tormenting countless families across his hometown, escalates his behaviours in a most brutal and tragic way. While I cover the 1984 murder spree of Christopher Wilder, a.k.a. the Beauty Queen Killer. Beauty Queen Killer, Beauty Queen Killer. No graduation day for you. Did you leave there? Where he abducted and raped at least 12 young women and girls, of which he tortured and killed at least eight during a six-week cross-country crime spree. Ew. What are you drinking? Sky Lee. Um, we're going both back to the 80s. Did you notice that? Oh, it sure was in the 80s. I didn't know if yours was in the 80s in the lead-up. Oh. Um, so what am I drinking? I'm drinking something that I've never drunk before, which shock horror because out of all the the frequent the bottleos that I frequent around <laughs> here, I've pretty much drunk every type of brand of Sav Blanc there is and all three different ones, Liquorland, BWS, Bottle Mart, first choice, <laughs> actually four. Um, but I was in the Bottle Mart, it was at Vector Fair, and they had this little drop. It's called at at Marta. Essence from nature. It's oh, organic. And it's an essence of nature. Yeah, yeah. So it's um Sauvignon Blanc 2022 from Bandera Farm, Australia. I don't know if mm. I've drunk something from that way before, that region. Place. And whereabouts is Bandera Farm, do we know? Let's have a look. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. It's a Bandera farm. farm. It doesn't tell me any more than that. I'm going to have a stab and say it's South Australia. What do you reckon? Oh, hang on. Victoria. Ah, uh, the mighty Vic. Have a little sip. I think you it should says, have a little sip. Cultivated in harmony with nature, crafted with minimal intervention. Essence of nature. Nature. That's what we want. Minimal intervention, please. Oh, totes. Just stand on that grape. Ooh, smells a little bit tart. Oh. Oh, looks like we do want a bit more intervention or is it intervention? It's very tart. Like I will disclose that I did drink a large number of beers last night. Um, So I have been a little bit dust today. So perhaps my palate has been impacted by that. But oh, that's a bit. I'll push through. I'll push through. Oh, you always do. That's what I've always liked about you. Oh, shivers. You don't let a good tart get you down. <laughs> and what are you drinking, Sean Vino Hipkins, please? Well, I am drinking red. A naked wine fave, but it's one of the special, special um, 
batches, I guess, because it's a 2021 Brian Fletcher. The dimple in the bottom is big. And it's a Cab Merlot. Lovely. As I said, it's 2021 Brian Fletcher. Nothing else to report. Margaret River. Mm. And... How's it taste? That shit goes damn well. Look Good on you, Brian. You do a good job. You do a good rosé too. I have to say that I have a bit of a bone to pick with naked wines. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say me. Um, <laughs> don't see how you're dead. Um, so you know how you get the free bottles that they consistently send you, either the emails and do you get the notifications yes. on your phone yep. from the app? Mm-hmm. So they've been hassling me for the last two weeks saying we've put two free bottles. Yeah. I've got $200 credit sitting there. So I absolutely want to cash that bad boy in with two free bottles. But they've given me a shardy and a red. I think it's a cab sab. It's a red that I'm okay with, but I hate a shardy. I can't yeah. drink it. I just cannot do it no matter how hard I try. Fuck that shunt. And you know, I know the pack of shunts. Um, <laughs> you know how you can swap it? And it literally yes. says, don't like this one, swap it. But every time I hit swap it, it's not letting me swap it. It's actually deleting it from my basket. So there's some sort of glitch there, but I just don't have the energy to contact them and be like, can you manually intervene? You know what you do? Intervention. You get Um, that, um, you get that cardinet and then you keep it in your rack. And then when a birthday comes up, you just gift that shit. I can't do that to people. I can't give them a cardinet that I wouldn't drink. I'm not, I'm not a shunt. If we ever get like, if I get a gift of bubbly red, like a bubbled red, <laughs> which I hate and Vinny hates. It's straight into the gift basket for the next person. If you ever give me Cardinet, look out. <laughs> I remember not Friendship to give you that. over. Friendship <laughs> over. Um, <sighs> anyway, so I'm not impressed. I'm just like, don't make my life any harder than it already is. Don't make yeah. me message you online. I'm meant to just click, get my freebie, <laughs> yeah. and that's it. <laughs> I want my $200 worth of liquor, please, and my two free wines. <laughs> But no, I've been seeing that special come up. I've only got 120 at the moment. We get I have a $60 a month takeout into my um naked wine. So I always wait to the 180 and then do my order. So I've had to miss the uh the double double special this week. Oh well they come up all the time anyway, but um I upped mine to 60. I had mine at 60 for a little while. Um, but I had I've had this 200 sitting there, so I just put it on pause for a little bit. Uh, and Fair I want to use the 200 and then I'll decide if I want to continue with my membership or not then because hard. I've drunk a lot of them now Yeah. Um, and it's still good. It's still good value, but maybe I'll branch out and try a different one. Like, you know, one of the Coles ones or the flybys oh, ones, yeah. you know how you've got all those ones out. And, I might try yeah. one of those because you get the you freebie can... to start up with. Exactly. And first choice have some as well. Yeah. Virgin wines. Yeah. Virgin. Yeah. I might just see what deals I can get out there on one of those bad boys. So how's your week been? Uh, look, my week's been great. I'm just going to go back to my notes to think about the couple of things that I want to talk to. Okay. So I feel like even though this is probably more appropriately a what's the haps topic, I feel like we can't do this podcast without talking about the submarine. Oh, really? That's, I did have that as a, a potential what's the haps. That's gone, you know, bye-byes. Yeah, imploded. Um, uh, like, do you know... I found this story very riveting. When I first started to hear about what was happening, I was kind of like, what the fuck am I hearing? Like, you know how sometimes you hear things on TV or you hear people talking about things and you think it's one of those, not fake news, but something that's not really what people think it is and you're just like, whatever. So I've just been sort of listening to it. Sensationalized, yeah. 
And then I woke up this morning and Tyler said to me, oh my God, it's imploded. That submarine mm. that's lost on the way to the Tannic, you know, it's imploded, blah, blah, blah. And then something popped up and I, this was, today was the first time that I actually read about it. And look, I'm going to sound probably quite ignorant here when I say this, but I had no idea that they knew where the Titanic wreck was Hotels. and that people had been traveling <laughs> to it all this time. And I was reading this article about James Cameron, who actually went there, I'm yeah. going to say 20, um, 2001, or maybe it was earlier actually. When did Titanic come out? Um, the 90s? That was the 90s, yeah. So he actually travelled to the wreck before, whilst he was doing the, the film. And I didn't have any idea that they knew where the fuck mm. it was. I think it was like in the 80s they discovered it and that French guy. Mm. I know that now it's a French guy. Yeah, um, what was the French guy's name? It's I don't a famous know. one. I think there was two people, wasn't there, that were involved? I don't know. Um, but... Then I also was unaware that you could travel to the wreck and look at it because it's so fucking far down. And I was like, people have been traveling there all this time. And I had no idea. I um I knew that they'd found it, but I didn't know that it was uh like a, a theme park type thing, you know, like how Branson's bringing in outer space travel and shit like that. I didn't know it was a, a thing that extremely rich people did. Well, if you've got a cool 250k, uh, yeah, then you can. And can I tell you, you go check it out? <laughs> even if I did, I do not think I'd be comfortable no. getting in one of those submarines and going that fucking deep. I'm claustrophobic. Yeah, I, don't, me too. I don't even think I could scuba dive because Imagine I just trying think to poop. it would be too. <sighs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm the same. I'm the same. But you know, it was pretty tragic. And when it was getting to the point before they realized that it imploded, and they were dead instantly anyway. Um, and they were like, they've got two hours of oxygen left and blah, blah, blah. Vinny, and I, Vinny mentioned it last night, actually, while we're laying in bed. And I was like, isn't that terrible? Like somewhere in the world well, where the Titanic is, this is going on. And we're just laying here in bed and there's these people probably freaking out that they've only got two hours of oxygen left. Meanwhile, they were already dead. Mm. And then they were saying that they were hearing the sound waves, but they were saying to pinpoint this, the, they thought they could, they were banging on the ship yes. to try to Every get half the hour. sound things or whatever. Um, but then they were saying the ability to pinpoint their location based on that sound was, you know, like a needle in the haystack yeah. type of thing. Um, it was really, it was really freaky because yeah, could, you could imagine, but surely you'd understand the risks going of into course. it. But like, apparently Vinny was saying as um, this afternoon though, that apparently there was the proper tests weren't carried out on the machine. And like when you're that, that deep, too. if you just had a pinprick in the fucking thing, it would implode. Yeah, yeah, because instantly. the pressure. Yeah, like yeah. they had. I was reading this one article, and they had a graph of how far things were down, and where the where the Titanic is in comparison to shit. like where the fossils, um, so where the coral starts, and you know how deep you know whales go, and how deep turtles go, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And then it was fucking thirty seven thousand meters past yeah, all this shit. shit, and I was like, that's fucking far. <laughs> yeah, I'll just watch the movie. It's yeah. fine, and the documentaries of it. <laughs> I know. And have you seen that meme that's come up and I meant to? No, I, I haven't, haven't seen any meme shit, actually. I haven't taken a picture of it and I should have because I can't find it now and send it to you. But this is before I fully really understood what was happening. Um, and it's it, it says um, this is what the, the people of the, what do they call it? It's not a submarine. They're calling it something else, um, some sort of vessel or something. This is this is the image that the people on the, the vessel or the submarine are, are waking up to. Um, 
are opening their oh, eyes. Oh yes, to I did see and that, and it was the, the, the ghost. Yeah, when she died at the end, and they were waiting for her. Yeah, they're all on the, the banister and stuff like that. Yeah, I was like, ooh, too soon, too soon. <laughs> no, it was going to happen though, and there'll yeah. be plenty more, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I thought I, I didn't think we could get through not talking about that. I know it's a good one for what's the haps, but um, yeah. I, I know to. it's so current. Yeah, I know it totally is. Um, and then the other thing I just want to quickly talk about before we move on to you, um, I noticed today that, and I'm quite upset and I'm not really sure what I'm going to do about it. So I've had to wear my Fitbit watch over my tattoo, right? Because I've got tattoos in both locations on my wrists. Mm. So there's no way if I want to wear a watch, it's going to cover one of my tattoos to some degree. And I noticed today when I was putting my watch back on after my shower, that where it's been sat across my rose tattoo, it's faded at all from like the wear of the the band sitting over the top. So this bit here where it's not covering is one colour and the top bit of the rose is getting all faded from like wear from the band. Um, and the sweat sort of sitting yeah. on it maybe. Yeah, because you know how they say like when you get tattoos on your feet and stuff like that, they wear off from your shoes and a lot of tattoos ah. won't do them, especially on your toes and even your fingers, a lot of tattoos will refuse to do them because they say they'll wear off and they're not going to last. Um. So obviously the ink's starting to come out from the friction. Um, and because it's such a tiny tattoo, I don't know if I can go over it. Yeah. Um, and then what's the point it. if it's going to keep? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that sucks. I know. I didn't realise that. So I'm a bit devo and I realised this after and I was like. <gasps> so There's my rosebud. Listeners, <laughs> if you've had that happen to you, drop us a line. Let us know, please. <laughs> I didn't it? know. Yeah, how'd you fix it? <laughs> a barrow or sharpie? Do <laughs> just a little bit of a safety pin with a little bit of ink on the end. So, how's your uh, week been, stupid bitch? Look, my week's been good. I've got a bit of a big update, to be honest with you. So, first Ooh. of all, and just quickly, Vinny and I had our fourth booster shot for COVID the other week. Right. And public service announcement, if you do get affected by your COVID boosters, which we have, prepare yourself for a 24-hour trip around the COVID sun. We were both pathetic from it. We had shivers, fevers, aches, tiredness. But then, as quick as it came around, it left just as fast thankfully but it fucking knocked us for a full 24 hours was it expected do they know that that's what happens have they well, told everyone that i think people experience different things from the boosters but we've noticed with each and we've only had pfizer the whole time i wanted moderna this time but our gpd only does pfizer um the more eat with each booster we sort of get affected a little bit worse from it mm, or a bit more you were harder sick when you got your Last booster, I remember. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't after as it. bad. Like we were able to sleep the next day was fine. But this one, we had the we both had a shitty sleep. The next day we were aches and whatnot. So just um, bear that in mind if you're getting it. Just make sure you get it during the week and have a sick day afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the other thing I wanted to quickly go through was because um, we didn't podcast last week, I had myself a little bit of a movie night on the Friday. Vinny... Um, I think we watched one movie together and Vinny went to bed and then I had stayed up drinking wine and watched three movies after that. So the first Party one... Party for one, been there. That's what I did last night. That <laughs> was great. First one I watched was an old classic that I hadn't seen in years, Urban Legend. Have you seen it? Oh, my God, I'm desperate to show that to Lola. I'm I've desperate to show it because... Um, 
she'll love it. It's one, it's it's like an abstract one. Cause remember when I showed her, um, I know what you did last no, summer yes. and she hated it. She, she was like, this is the worst acting I've ever seen. I was like, Lulz, please don't talk shit about my film. <laughs> so I'm interested to see if she likes Urban Legend. So was it good? Did it hold up? Look, um, I actually thought about it a few months ago. I was like, fuck, I really want to see that. It'd come up in some meme or whatever. Um, but I couldn't find it on any of the, on any of the streaming pa- platforms. But then by some miracle, I was flicking through Stan and it came up as a new addition to Stan. So it's on Shut Stan at the moment. Up. Yeah. And they only added it a couple of weeks ago. So I had to watch it again. Um, and I'd said to Vinny, he was like, I'm going to bed. I'm like, oh, aren't you going to come watch a scary movie with me? He's like, no. <laughs> um, so it came out in 1998 when the slasher flicks were all the rage. Um, and it follows the same formula. Around about Final Destination time, I think that wasn't type of it? stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, so while Scream was first, and then I know what you did last summer. Yeah. Th- there was just a following after that, wasn't it? Then there was an explosion because Scream really sort of brought the genre back. But um, it follows the same formula where you've got the person who gets killed in front of someone, but they can't do anything about it. You know, they're behind a glass wall or you know that type of shit. And it has Joshua Jackson in it, doesn't it? It, the cast was something else. So I love it has Jared Leto's in it. Oh, shut, I love a young Jared Leto. Very young Jared Leto. Robert England's in it, you know, Freddie from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, the original? The OG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robert oh. England, he's in it as one of the professors. There's Loretta Devine, who's um, now she's an African American actress. Yes. And when you see her, you'd know her. She's I know fucking who you're great. Yeah, yeah. Tara Reid's in it. Yes, knew that. Joshua Jackson, Jackson's in it. And one of the leads is this bird called Rebecca Gayhart. Now, oh, she's the one who got done for running someone over. She did the, oh, um, did she, she killed someone by in real life. Oh, wow. Yeah, I she didn't know um, that. manslaughter. She murdered someone. Well, she was that, murder. When was that? Was that in the 90s or? Oh, it would No, it was later. 2000s? I think when she was in her 20, late 20s or something like that, but right. a good 10, 15 years ago. Because she was kind of huge in the in nineties movies, not big enough to sort of make a she real was in name of herself. She was the she was. love interest of Dylan, and then she got shot. Yes, and she was in um she was in Jawbreaker. Yes, Jawbreaker. Yes, so I yes. actually really really liked her when um she was around. She just looked like a cool funky chick, but nothing really came of her. The Maybe ringlet it was because hair. Of her. Yes. Her. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's also two sequels to the movie that I wasn't mm. really aware of until I'd started looking into it a couple of months ago. But I want to see desperately. I don't care how terrible they are. There's Urban Legends Final Cut and Urban Legends Bloody Mary. So I just think that'd be great. I knew of the second. I'm not sure I knew of the third. Third, yeah. So all the deaths are based off urban legends, which we used to know and we used to always talk about when we were younger. So it was kind of cool how they tied that in, but there's like a little twist on them. So, you know, the guy in the back of the car and the guy flashing the headlights and the scraping on the roof of the car and shit like that and the thing where a murder happens, it's like, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? That type of shit. So as bad as it was acting and story-wise, it's not the greatest, but it was still holds up and I enjoyed it. And then I had as my last note, you should totes watch it with lollipops. <laughs> well, um, and that's how I, what I thought about I Know What You Did Last Summer. Like I enjoyed it, but I guess because I'd, I'd watched it as- Grown up with it. Exactly. So watching it through Lola's eyes where she was like, ugh, this is so predictable. And like, she was like, and she kept saying to me, the acting is terrible. And I was like, is that really <laughs> that bad? She especially hated, what's her face? The main one. 
Oh, Jessica loved huge tits. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, the acting in this isn't too bad. The story's a bit cliche, but I think it adds that fun twist because they're all the urban legends. So maybe tell us some of the urban legends as you're getting up to, to yeah, watching yeah. it. Um, so the other movie I watched was called Last Night in Soho. Have you seen that? It, I remember That's... being advertised in the movie. It's got the chick from the Queen's Gambit that was on Netflix, oh, that series, okay. the chess playing. Have you seen the Queen's Gambit? No, but I want to. It's on my list. Oh, very good. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's pretty. It's a pretty fucking cool movie. I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly. So it's set in today's time, and a young girl moves to London to follow her fashion designing dreams. She loves the sixties. She has that as her sort of inspiration, and she loves London. And it's got to do with her mum who passed away. I can't really remember the time, but it's got some other good stars in it too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's got that guy from um, uh, who plays the young prince Philip. In the crown. The young Prince Philip. Oh, he's yes. in it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's um he's one of the main characters. Um, but she ends up getting in a room. She gets a room in London where this chick, the chick from the Queen's Gambit, lived in during the 60s. And when she goes to sleep, she sort of ends up transporting, dreaming back to the 60s and is a part of this chick's sort of conscious. Like she gets to see what's happening with this chick and the shit she does throughout life and this she's trying to the chick in the 60s is trying to break into the singing industry and all gets a bit array you know it all goes fucking a bit skew if a bit shit for her um i really enjoyed it i totes want to watch it again the ending is a bit naff though like it's where it kind of falters really as a movie but watch it and you'll see what i mean and i still enjoyed it and finally just quickly i want to say the third movie that i watched was rent the musical for the first time the original it's, or uh, the remake? It's a remake. I think, I don't know if there is original. It's like based on the stage show, obviously. There is so an original. There is an original. There is. One. Well, I've gone to do it a few times because, but I've never gotten there. I've started it and then passed out or whatever. It's got a couple of big songs like 525,600 minutes. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. How do you measure, measure a year? How about love? It's got that. And you know that other one? They do this in Glee. Take me, baby, or leave me. You're gone. It's the two. I think Rachel and Santana do it. It's about two lesbians that fall in love, but one's a flirt and a bit of a uh, place around for the attention. The other one's a bit more conservative. Anywho, it's set in 1989 it's only two hours long it's set in 1989 but it kind of has more mid-80s vibes it's got struggling artists gay guys gals idina menzel's in it oh yeah so it had the makings of a great movie right uh-uh it bombed it it was terrible besides those two songs i mentioned the rest of it was just utter crap and i can't blame the acting of the movie or the movie itself i just think the whole story of the songs were all just shite it was just really like oh this is dumb it just saddened me i couldn't even finish it like i had 10 minutes to go and i was like fuck this turned it off and went to bed and even when you're drunk you still couldn't <laughs> I was just at the last it. part of it i was just like oh this is too much i just hate it just hate it so much so yeah, do not Excellent recommend. Recommendation. <laughs> do not watch that. <laughs> if you're thinking about it, think again. Zero stars. Zero stars. Mm. I'll give it one for those two songs, but that's it. But yeah, that was my week. <laughs> oh, 
there were so many times I had overlapping stories that I wanted to jump in because we actually really haven't talked in a little while um, like this. We haven't seen each other for a little while, so there were so many things. Oh, you should have jumped in. No, because we're never going to get through this episode. We've got a big fucking double. We do. Hopefully I'll remember everything um, for the second recording yes. that I have. It's already 6.45, already 45 minutes-ish oh, in, aren't shit. we? All right. Let's get to it, shall we? Go. You go first, you stupid bitchy witchy scar. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Are you ready for this one? Oh, I cannot it wait. Sounds like your one's going to be pretty hectic too. Um, okay, so uh, Daniel the plant was just 17 years of age when he brutally murdered a pregnant Massachusetts mother and her two small children, William and Abigail. 12 months prior, he was also charged with terrorising another family by living in the walls of their home. Oh, God. Yeah. That is the scariest shit, that thing. I've seen so many true crimes where people live in the walls. Like That's so America. many, Yeah. Totes. Like so many of these cases we discuss in true crime, Daniel LaPlante had a troubled childhood filled with abuse. Born May 15. Oh. Day after day my after birthday. You, in between you and Maria. We could have had a triple birthday celebration. But in 1970, so much closer to your year of birth, in the town much. of <laughs> in the town of Townsend, Massachusetts, he allegedly suffered traumatic sexual and psychological abuse oh, at the hands of his father, and later, as a teen, from the psychologist charged the psychiatrist, sorry, charged with treating him. Oh, for fuck's sake! His home environment was run down and derelict, littered with junk and old cars. He attended the local high school where he was described by his classmates as a loner and not particularly friendly. I by the understand 80s, why. Yeah. By the 80s, the neighbourhood had growing concerns regarding his late night excursions into the woods with one resident quoting, you see him walk out there by himself. That's the only place you see him in the woods. Uh, well, at least he's going in by himself and not going in with someone and coming out by himself. Totes. Diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder by the psychiatrist who allegedly abused him, he became a neighbourhood thief by 15, breaking into homes, stealing valuables before graduating to mind games involving moving items around or leaving things behind to scare them. So he started off going into people's homes and just stealing shit and then he started fucking with them making them think things had moved and that there was ghosts and that is creepy as fuck when people have that fucking ambition isn't it then he escalated even further becoming infatuated and obsessed with local 15 year old tina bowen they both attended the local high school and tina accepted his offer of a date uh, over the easter break After returning to school from the holiday period, some students advised her that Daniel was facing rape charges, tales of which reached Tina's father, Frank, who put an immediate stop to their time together. Daniel did not accept this turn of events. Later that year in 1986, over the course of several weeks, Daniel gained access to the Bowens family home. From a small crawl space, no bigger than six inches, he began his psychological torment on the family. From his tiny crawl space position, he had observed Tina and her sister try to contact their recently deceased mother via a Ouija board, shivers. So he began impersonating a ghost 
changing TV channels, rearranging items, consuming all the family's milk. He emptied out full bottles of alcohol and scrawled disturbing messages like marry me and I'm in your room. Come and find me on the walls with mayonnaise and tomato sauce. Jesus Christ. A knife was found pinning a family. What a waste photo of condiments. To I know, totes. <laughs> um, but he'd already done this in other houses, like it, not so much as the Ouija board and actually going to this level, but he'd gone into other people's houses and moved and stuff around. around. And How old was he left at things. this stage? Too. At this stage, he was 16. Jesus. Um, and then a knife was found pinning a family photo to the wall. Tina's father. Tina's father. <laughs> <laughs> Tina Struthers, please. Tina's father struggled to believe anything more than the fact that his teenage daughters were simply messing with each other until the family returned home one afternoon, December 8, 1986, to find someone had used the toilet. After a search of the house by Frank the dad, Daniel was found in a wardrobe, face painted with his deceased wife's makeup wearing a Native American-style jacket and brandishing a hatchet. Jesus. Imagine. (laughs) Um, Hello. Daniel managed to herd them all into a room of the house together, threat of injury from the hatchet, I'm sure, but then left them for a period, allowing Tina to escape and contact the police. When the authorities attended, Daniel was gone, and after two days of searching, they located him. Can you guess where he was? Oh, God. In the crawl space? He was in the cellar of the Bowen's house, hiding in a triangular space bound on either side by concrete foundation and in a wall of the house. He'd been living there for weeks. Oh, God. He was sent to a facility for juveniles where he resided until October 1987. So this was December 1986 that he was in the house and they found him. So he was there for just shy of a year. His mother eventually remortgaging her house to secure his release by paying the $10,000 bail amount. Two months later, he would commit a worse crime with a more tragic ending. Oh, God. Out Why on didn't bail, the mother just leave him to get help? Oh, she should have. I bet she probably regrets that. Mm. But he was abused and stuff, like, and she probably felt like, you know, she was responsible for that his yeah. whole life. There would have been a lot of guilt. to help him. Yeah. Out on bail and waiting for his trial to commence, he returned to burglary, coming into the possession of two 22 caliber firearms. Of course. On November 16, 1987, it was the home of the Gustaf. Hang on, I've said this wrong. Just give me one second. I've written it wrong. That's why. Uh, Gustafsons. Oh, the Gustafsons. Gustafsons. Um, he, so on November 16th, 1987, it was the home of the Gustafsson family he burglarized, where pregnant nursery school teacher Priscilla, her husband Andrew, and their two, two children, five-year-old William and seven-year-old Abigail resided. This was not to be an isolated event. On December 1st, Daniel went back, this time with one of the guns. He later claimed he did not believe any of the members would be at home during the time he returned, he, he planned to be in the house. According to statements from Daniel LaPlante, after entering the home and realising Priscilla and William were present, he considered jumping out an upstairs window. He, did, he not did not take that option. Instead, he confronted Priscilla 
dragging and securing William in the closet and bounding her to one of the beds using his sports sock to gag her. He then proceeded to rape the pregnant mother before shooting her twice in the head. William, he drowned in the bathtub. On his way out of the house, after the murders, he encountered seven-year-old Abigail returning home. He took her to the bathtub and drowned her alongside her younger brother. Oh, my God. He then left the Gustafsons' home, returning to his home and attending his niece's birthday party later that evening. How Meanwhile, the fuck do you carry on with life after that? Oh, he was clearly, you know, fucked up. Yeah, definitely. After everything that he endured, and then he lived in the house, and but we're back to yeah. the whole age-old. How do these people get out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like who's not watching 80s. them? Yeah. It was you're right. It was the eighties completely, and he was a child. He was a minor, so you know, considering him relatively harmless, you know, living in someone's walls and pretending to be a ghost is different mm-hmm. to escalating to full blown. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up shit. Murder. But that's what they do. They escalate, don't they? Um. So he let, so yeah, and he went to the niece's birthday party. Meanwhile, Andrew Gustafson had been calling his wife all afternoon, beginning to fear the worst when he received no response. He returned to the home and found his wife shot in the bedroom and immediately left the house, later telling authorities that he refused to look further for the children, knowing them to be dead and not being able to face that side. Yeah, which you, you get. I mean, I don't know, like, if there would be some part of you where I guess you'd be thinking, when would your instincts kick in to make sure that they're okay? But if for some reason you knew they were dead, you'd just be like, oh, you'd just be on a hope and a prayer. Hopefully they find them alive. Yeah. It's it's hard to say what you'd do in that situation, I think. Yeah. But I like, because he, he, he knew something had happened when she wasn't answering. He knew. Yeah. yeah. There was no explanation for it. He already had that like sixth sense. And the poor child coming home right afterwards. Yeah. She's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Court documents state it was relatively easy for the trail to lead back to Daniel. The shirt and gloves he wore to commit the murders were found in the woods directly behind the Gustafsons' house, still wet from the drowning. Scent dogs tracked him to within feet of his house. Police and... Feet. <laughs> within feet. <laughs> Six feet. Six feet of his house. Let's just say six feet of his house. Police interrogated him, but without enough evidence to take him into custody, they left with a plan to return the following day. Of course, LaPlante fled. Yeah. A massive manhunt ensued, and two days later, after breaking into neighborhood properties, he was located hiding in a dumpster. He was convicted of the murders of the three Gustafsons and sentenced to three life sentences. Good. Uh, And sentenced to three life sentences. (laughs) (laughs) He will not be eligible for parole for another 44 years. He should not be eligible for parole ever. It was his age. He did appeal and tried to get out, um, basically saying that his youth was um, something that they needed to take into consideration. Apparently there had been some laws that had passed in the that. time that and it you served. Can, you can take that into consideration, but, dude, you're not going to come out and be an upstanding citizen to society. You're going to fucking kill or do something else again because the time that you have in prison, prison is going to fuck you up even more. Well, during all the reviews and the interviews, for him to be considered for parole, they determined that he had no lack of remorse whatsoever. 
Yeah. No remorse whatsoever, I mean. And that's a bad thing. Yeah, that's all good. <laughs> Considering they let him out that first time. Yeah. And then look what he did. Yeah. I mean, I guess pretending to be a ghost in someone's walls is nowhere near as bad as what he ended up doing. Doing, but that's um, a that's still a pretty that's fucked pretty up hectic. thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's freaky shit. And perhaps because he thought maybe the dad was going to overpower him and, you know, maybe if he'd come across the girls on their own, but because the dad was there, um, maybe that's why he never took it any further that first time. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. That is fucking creepy as fuck. How fucked up is that? Yeah, and imagine, like, everyone does those little seancey things when you're young. Imagine then seeing that shit and then parents not believing you, your dad not believing you. Think he's just playing around with each other when you know for a fact we're not. Yeah. Mum's back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what would they have been thinking during that whole time, the sisters? I or told would they you we should actually... never have done that Ouija board. <laughs> or would they be thinking that they were totally both playing tricks on each other and being like, "No, I know that you're fucking with me." Come you on. moved the cup. Yeah. <laughs> you moved the cup under my hand. <laughs> was it the other way? You rode in mayonnaise. Yeah, exactly. On the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't use the tomato sauce. It actually said ketchup, but I changed it for oh, our Australian sorry. listeners. Very good, very good. <laughs> or as if for our Irish listeners, red sauce. Red sauce, yeah. Red sauce, brown sauce. Yeah. Okay, your turn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you ready? Yes. Go, this go. This week us. I am going to cover the Beauty Queen Killer. And I thought it'd be a good tie-in to my Wanda Beach murders story from our last true crime Australia series episode sorry (laughs) you may recall he was slash is one of the main suspects in the 1965 murders of the girls at Wanda Beach indeed he he was he had also been convicted in Australia of numerous sexual charges the most recent when he was visiting his parents in 1982 in Australia but he fled back to the United States after his parents posted bail another series of parents posting bail when they shouldn't So, yeah, letting this guy get away ended up costing at least, at least eight young women their lives and gave him the opportunity to rape and torture even more. The case involves Christopher Wilder, an Australian-born man who lives in the United States, who lived in the United States. He was Aussie. He was Aussie. He was an entrepreneur and photographer who lured and abducted young women, some who were beauty pageant contestants or models. Between February and April 1984... Wilder went on a cross-country crime spree, travelling across multiple states, targeting young women. He would approach his victims under the pretense of offering them modelling opportunities, photography sessions, or even claiming to be a talent scout for a beauty pageant. Once he gained their trust, he would then abduct and subject them to brutal acts of violence, including rape and torture. Many of his victims were eventually killed. So Wilder's crimes came to an end in April 1984 when he was located by law enforcement in New Hampshire. A high-speed chase ensued, leading him to leading to his death in a shootout with police. Didn't he accidentally shoot himself? Yeah. So why why this? I remember psychopath? that from the Wanda Beach murders. That's <laughs> good. I'm glad you paid attention. So what, who was this psychopath, please? Born on the 13th of March, 1945, so much closer to your year no, than much mine. closer to your year. I was just about to say, wasn't that a year you were born? So it was actually the year my mother was born in Sydney, Australia. <laughs> really? Yeah. He was the oldest child to an Australian native and, Amer- and an American naval officer. 
so that's obviously his ties to the US. He nearly didn't survive his birth and was so close to death that the priest <laughs> and was so close what? to death <laughs> and was so close to death that the priest performed his last rites oh. at his birth. Priest. Should have drowned him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He should have died. But obviously he came through and ended up being quite a sick child. He also nearly drowned hey, hey. at the age of two and had episodes where he would pass out from fits of convulsions. So his he had a pretty childhood, I've got. <laughs> I think it was meant to be a rough in there. <laughs> his crime started well, early Well, because he nearly day. drowned and he nearly died. Eh, he wouldn't remember <laughs> <know>. it. <laughs> his crime started early days. As an adolescent, he would peek through people's windows. Peeping Tom, please. At 17, as we know, he was arrested for the gang rape of a 13-year-old girl and was sent to probation only. Boo. He also stated later in life, during that time, he received electroshock therapy, which some people believe aggravated his violent sexual tendencies, but there's no evidence he actually received that therapy. And it's also believed he made up the story about him nearly drowning at age two. <laughs> Add lie to the list, please. <laughs> Filthy what a lie. sinner. <laughs> I know. He married in 1968. However, his wife left him after one week. Ooh. because of the sexual abuse she went through with him and after what? she found <laughs> one week and after finding naked pictures of women in lingerie in his um, car. So the 60s, they didn't really like porn. Around this time, he was also involved in extorting sex from women by using their naked pictures. Charges were dropped, though, as they wouldn't testify in court against him because of the shame and embarrassment, I guess. So what a fuck up. By 1969, he'd first moved to the States and lived in Florida. This is when his passion for photography this is when his passion for photography really took off. And he converted a bedroom in his house into a dark room. And attached to that room was another secret room where he would develop pics that he took of his sex crimes. You can just imagine imagine how seedy the fucking place would have been, right? And how gross he would have been and just like, oh. Apparently, he was meant to be a handsome man. I'll be During, the judge of that. I'll yeah. wait till the photos come out. <laughs> wait till I see the institutes. <laughs> During the early mid-70s, he faces more charges related to sexual misconduct, including the rape of a young woman he had lured back to his truck, promising to take pictures for her for her modelling contract. This would become part of his MO moving forwards, hence the name The Beauty Queen Killer. Even though he received numerous convictions for sexual assault, he was never jailed for any of the offences. He was also still allowed to fly into Australia in 1982 after these convictions, which is just fucking downright crazy. You can't fucking, you know, like how they have the, do you have a criminal history? Oh, it looks like you stole a car. You're not coming to Australia. This cunt raped people and was able to fly in. He could have killed those girls, couldn't he, of the Wonder Beach yes. girls? Yeah, 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 because of the brutality L with the stabbing. And, and lured them there based on photography. Like, they, we knew that I they was going to take photos. I'll probably say, yeah, I'll take photos of you on the beach and we'll start a modelling contract. And exactly. it was complicated by the fact she had the kids with her. So he's like, I'm going to fuck these bitches up. Like, Yeah, leave those kids and fucking, yeah. And you can't bring the kids with you. Yeah, because we're doing the fucking photography. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, when he was back in Oz, he was charged for sexual offences for forcing. Oh, as I mentioned, 
in our two true crime Aussie one, when he was back in Oz, he was charged for sexual offences for forcing two 15-year-olds to pose nude for pictures. After getting bailed out by his parents, he was allowed to fly back to Florida to await his trial because that's going to go well. Mm. It's in five months' time. I'm sure he'll be back. No dramas. There were delays in the court dates and it received an eventual hearing date in April of 1984, the same time he ends up being killed. So it never went to trial. Plus, you'd have to think that he would have known this was coming up and probably spurred him on his rampage. And also, could you imagine those poor girls and their families having to wait two years from that time for this scene to go ahead so they could actually get on with their lives? Anyway, that's his background. Let's get to his crime spree. So the first murder attributed to Wilder was that of 20-year-old Rosario Teresa Gonzalez who was last seen on the 26th of February, 1984, at the Miami Grand Prix, where she was employed as a spokesmodel at a temporary job distributing samples of aspirin for a pharmaceutical company. It was reported that she'd left the Grand Prix track around lunchtime with a Caucasian man in his 30s. Wilder was a race car driver who frequented the Miami Grand Prix racetrack and was also at the race that day. That's how they've tied that in. His former girlfriend and Miss Florida finalist, Elizabeth Ann Kenyon, was 23 at the time, also goes missing on the 5th of March that year. So this chick's gone missing on the 26th of February. His ex-girlfriend then goes missing on the 5th of March. They had dated for a short period of time. Wilder proposed to her, but she refused because of the age difference. He was around 39 at the time when she was 23. Gross. That's rich. It's a different it's a different thing, a different tab. <laughs> it's different when it's a woman. <laughs> Her car was found six days later abandoned at the Miami airport. Gonzalez, who was also an aspiring model at the time of her disappearance and had participated in the Miss Florida Beauty Contest along with Wilder's ex-girlfriend, so they would have known each other, mm-hmm. neither women's body, neither woman's bodies, neither women's, <laughs> neither woman's neither remains, woman's bodies, neither woman's remains have ever been found. A couple of weeks after Beth goes missing, his ex, on 18th of March, Wilder led 21-year-old Teresa Ann Waite Ferguson away from Merritt Square Mall in Florida. He murders her and dumps her body. Her body is def- um, discovered five days later on the 23rd of March. Wilder's next victim was 19-year-old Florida straight was 19-year-old Florida State University attendee Linda Grover, whom he abducted from um, abducted from a mall abducted. in Florida, and drives her over the state this border. Bitch. So this is when the road trip begins. So he abducts um, Linda Grover from a mall in Florida and drives her over the state border to Georgia on 20th of March. So he's moving quickly. She had declined his offer to photograph her um, for a modelling agency after which he then assaults her in the mall parking lot. He then ties her hands together, wraps her in a blanket and throws her in the trunk of his car. He takes her to a motel and rapes her and then blinds her blinds her by using a blow dryer and super glue and begins to torture her. So I think he's torturing, he's 
super glued her eyes shut and used to blow dry to seal it is what I'm thinking that means. He applies copper oh wire. God. He applies copper wire to her feet and uses it to pass electric currents throughout through through them to her. She tries to get away. He beats her more, but eventually she escapes from him and locks herself in the bathroom and starts banging on the walls that adjoin the other rooms, which he freaks out about and then flees the motel in his car, stealing all her belongings and heads to Texas. So she survives. I don't know if she's permanently blind or if he just sealed her eyes shut. I don't know. The next day on the 21st of March, so this is before that girl's body's found that he murdered on the 23rd of March. So he's done all this shit. And then on the 21st of March, he approaches Terry, Diane, Graham, Walden. They all had such fucking long names on these gals. She's a 23-year-old wife, mother, and nursing student at a Texas university, and he asks her to pose for him as a model. She turns him down, and unfortunately for Terry, she sees him again two days later on the 23rd of March when the other girl's body was found, and he kidnaps her. He rapes her and stabs her to death and then dumps her body in a canal where she's found three days later on the 26th of March. He steals her car and then flees to Oklahoma. He then abducts 21-year-old Susan Wendy Dukin Logan, who he sees at a mall in Oklahoma City. Jeez, his parents must have been so proud. I know, fucking, and he's just moved quickly. Like, it's literally just been a spree. There's not even, like, weeks in between where it's subdued and he's built up and he's like, oh, okay, I need to do it again. It's just like, bang, bang, bang. He drives it's like he her, knew he was going to get caught anyway, so he may as well just keep happening. plowing through. Just... And keep moving through state to state to state. Yeah. So he drives her 180 miles slash 290 kilometres north across the border into Kansas and checks into the Interstate 35 in, pardon me, which you know is just a highway motel that would just be fucking horrendous to fucking see pull into. He restrains her overnight, has breakfast the next morning, and then drives her another 90 miles slash 145 kilometres northeast from where from where they were to Milford Reservoir near Junction City in Kansas. I love the conversions. Thank you for that. <laughs> no problems. He stabs her to death and dumps her body under a cedar tree. So how so, many are we up to now? Oh, God. How are he dead? So Wilder. Oh, no, Rosario, Rosario Teresa Gonzalez, Elizabeth Kenyon, those bodies weren't found. Then t -t -t Teresa, then the, next the nurse. Oh, no, the one at the fucking university, Linda, that one he blinds, she doesn't die, but he still tortures her. So four dead. One tortured. One tortured. And then the nurse, that's four dead. And then Suzanne, that's five dead now. So we are at 24th of March at this point. And I know this sounds dumb, but whenever Vinny and I watch true crime shows and a murder happens just before or after your birthday or a significant date, which my birthday is 24th March, um, oh. <laughs> I always think what, what, what I was doing at that time in my life or what I was preparing to do while someone was actually getting murdered at the time I was having a party or something like that. It just spins me out. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like those guys in the submarine, as mm. we're talking about, like knowing they've got two hours left and I'm here laying in bed mm. watching yeah. blah, blah, blah. Anywho, he goes on a huge drive from Junction City, Kansas to Grand Junction in Colorado. 
which is about 735 miles, 730 miles slash 1200 kilometers. And when in Grand Junction, he takes 18 year old Cheryl Lynn Bonaventura captive on the 29th of March. They were seen together at a diner in Silverton, about 120 miles slash 195 kilometers south of Grand Junction, where they told staff they were heading for Vegas via a place called Durango. The following day, 30th of March, they were seen at the Four Corners Monument, which is a point where Colorado, Utah, New Mexico and Arizona all meet up. I think it's in one of the Simpsons episodes or the, mm, the movie. Mm. From I've there, they a few where they're all the, the corner bit. The I know corners. that bit, yeah, yeah, the four corners, yeah. So from there, they check into the Page Boy Motel in Page, Arizona. They sure of when it... Oh, okay, so they're not sure exactly when it happened, but it's believed he shot and stabbed the 18-year-old to death around the 31st of March near the Kanab River on, up in Utah. Her body wasn't found until the 3rd of May, so well after he's dead. So he makes his way to Vegas and meets 17-year-old Michelle Lynn Kaufman, an aspiring run, model. Michelle, run, She do not. An aspiring model who disappeared from a 17 magazine cover model competition at Meadows Mall in Vegas on the 1st of April. So a photograph, and there was a photo, because by this stage, it's sort of looking for what the fuck's going on with this dude. A photograph was taken of him stalking her at a competition. So they have a photo of this. He kills her and her body remained undiscovered near a South Californian roadside rest stop until the 11th of May and was not identified until mid-June via dental x-rays. So at this point in the spree, we're at the 4th of April and he's in California. Now listen to this. This this story gets a bit weird. Well, weird. Uh, and he's in California where he entices 16-year-old Tina Marie Rizico getting younger to have her photo taken by him. He then abducts her and drives her to El Centro, which is near the California border with Mexico. He then assaults her but keeps her alive as he thinks he can use her as a tool in helping get other victims. So she's obviously, I guess... Compliant. Either manipulated him, manipulated him some way, compliant, as you said, tried to make him think, hey, you don't need to do this, I'm into this, blah, blah, blah. And I've heard of that happening in other cases where they have him in the car so they look more trustworthy. That and was all that Bernie shit for... murders, remember? Yes, exactly. Bernie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's that the chicken wife. coop murders and shit like that in the US too. So he keeps her alive and he travels back through the country, back to Indiana. He covers some fucking ground. He's also now listed in the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitives list, fugitives list at this point. Mm, time's running out. So on the 10th of April, he arrives in Indiana with 16-year-old Tina, where she helps him abduct another 16-year-old, Dornette Sue Wilt, at the South Lake Mall. Wilder raped Wilt several times as Risico, or Risico, Tina, drove to New York. He then takes Wilt into the woods at a place called Penyan in New York. It's up near Syracuse, near the Canadian border. And he attempts to suffocate her before stabbing her twice twice and leaving her to die. Was this the compliant one or the one they got from the mall? The one that they, the compliant one helped him kidnap. Mm -hmm. She, however, manages to tie a pair of jeans around herself and flag down help. She was taken to Soldiers and Sailors Hospital in Penyan by a truck driver. In the meantime, Wilder had doubled back and returned to the spot where he left that chick to make sure she was dead, sees that she's fled, and goes into a panic. So the girl that he oh, stabbed... Oh, now. Yeah, because <laughs> she's a alive. trail of bodies everywhere. 
and now that one's actually survived, he's, he's shitting himself. Also, so, the chick with the eyelids, she survived too. As well. So Wilt has life-saving surgery performed on her at the hospital and thankfully she survives and recovers. She told police that Wilder was heading for Canada. At the Eastview Mall in Victor, New York, he forces 33-year-old Beth Elaine Spofford Dodge into his car and had Rizzoco, Tina, the one he's compliant, follow him in the Dod- in Dodge's car, in the chick's car that he just um, kidnapped, which was a Pontiac Firebird, please. After a short drive, Wilder shot Dodge and dumped her body in a gravel pit. Tina and he then drove the Firebird to an airport in Boston where he bought Tina a ticket to LA and off she goes. He's gone up, around, back, down again. Yeah, all over the fucking shop. In, t- in what, six weeks. Wilder then headed north into Massachusetts. And in Massachusetts, he attempted to abduct... <laughs> He attempted to abduct a woman at gunpoint, but was unsuccessful. On the 13th of April, he stops at Vic's Getty's service station in Colebrook, New Hampshire. Jesus. You're right. I must have clicked a link in my thing that was hidden. To... <laughs> so on the 13th of April, he stops at Vic's Getty's service station in Colebrook, New Hampshire, to ask directions to Canada. Two New Hampshire state troopers approach him and he retreats to his car to arm himself with a Colt Python .357 Magnum. One of the troopers was able to grab Wilder from behind and in the scuffle, two shots were fired. The first bullet hit Wilder and exited through his back and into the trooper and the second second bullet hit Wilder in the chest. He dials while the trooper is seriously wounded but recovers and returns to full duty. A copy of the novel, The Collector by John Fowles, in which a man keeps a woman in his cellar against his will until she dies, was found amongst his possessions. I read that book. I read that book when death. I was in high school. Really? It's got a butterfly cover, yeah. He collects wow. the butterflies and then he collects the women, the women, yeah. Wow. And that was found in his possession. So Wilder was cremated in Florida, leaving a personal estate worth more than $7 million. What? I know. It blew me too, which he apparently gained through real estate and construction. Because he was 39, wasn't he? In 1986, the court appointed arbitrator. And the only reason I've put this in here is because in 1986, a coin appointed, court appointed arbitrator ruled that the after tax balance, the after tax balance, balance was to be divided among the families of his victims which I love. So Tina, the one that helped him, and he sent off to LA. What happened to her, I hear you ask? Well, as you know, Wilder drove her to Boston Airport and bought her a plane ticket to send her home. She says in an interview after Wilder is killed, he knew he was close to being killed, and he didn't want her to die with him. He told me to kiss kiss him on the cheek, she said, recounting their farewell scene. He said, oh, you got to do, kid. Let's write a book. And then he walked away. It was heartbreaking. It was so sentimental. She arrives in California and instead of calling the police, she takes a taxi to a boutique after arriving there and bought $100 worth of lingerie. So yeah, she's pretty nonchalant about it all. Apparently she was toughened by a turbulent home life and earlier sexual attacks and her mother's hardcore lifestyle, which revolved around outlaw motorcycle clubs. It's what I've seen. 
what I've sat there and been quiet through and watched and learned, she said, there's something inside of me that I know how to play along. She said she's thankful for all the people who prayed for me, but now that I've survived, nobody seems interested. But I'm boom. You dumb bitch. Silly bitch. Is she still alive today? Um, look, I'm gonna say, yeah, yes. You had a drug overdose? Killed by bikies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to say she gave it a good shot at life, but <laughs> <laughs> didn't work out so well for didn't her. Didn't work out for her. <laughs> oh my god, that was insane! That guy was fucked. The whole the thing that blew my mind away is I've never heard of the beauty queen killer until I did the Wonder Beach murders, and I don't know why I haven't heard of him because that is some killing spree. Yeah. We watch a lot of shit, a lot of true crime shit. Now you're going to be on the hunt for it, aren't you? I need to watch a special. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but how fucked up was that? And he went from fucking Watching Florida. a reenactment is not nothing compared to our research. Telling like. it. Yeah. So going from Florida up the way, down the way, across the way, up the way to Chicago, mm, well, Illinois. Canada, and almost then fucking... on the borders of Mexico. Yeah. Went back to Boston. It was crazy. Fucking... And all these poor fucking women that got fucking slaughtered along the way. Well, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our American True Crime session. Pause. Well, I'm still reeling. I don't know about you. <laughs> so tune in next week for Pop Culture, where we discuss some supernatural TV shows. Just Listeners, to get it a bit lighter. <laughs> just a little bit lighter. We're going to go to the vampires, though. <laughs> Listening as we recount our love for smash hits, Buffy and Angel, and then Ooh. try to spread some love for more recent shows, Ghosts and Mayfair Witches. And remember, if you like what you hear, tell your mates. Tell your mates. And if you're whining, you're winning. Good night, stupid bitches. Good night. Good night. Good night. Your turn. Good night. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, that stupid bitch. Mm-hmm. He's a stupid bitch. What a stupid bitch. That stupid bitch.